Ross Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. If you missed yesterday's show, well, I do recommend you check it out because I made some big announcements, one of which is that this podcast is going to be changing gears because I'm moving out of the captain's chair. So uh, we intend to keep the feed going with our new host, Mike Slater, who should be terrific. But uh, I'm moving on. And I'll be a part of the show to some degree, but I'm not going to be the host. So if you want to stay in touch with me, going to alexmarlow.com and dropping me a line is the best thing to do. You can also email me at aloha at alexmarlow.com and some more announcements too in that show yesterday. So I would check that out as well. But today's show is a really action packed one. And we begin with a breakdown of the John Durham hearings on the Hill yesterday which mostly did not go well. I explain, of course, Joe Biden is talking tough on China while caving bigly. That little pencil neck gets censured. But what does that really mean? I opine on that. Hunter Biden has earned praise and support from Democrats and Bud Light wins an award. So much to talk about in the opening of the show. And of course, we chat a little bit about the submersible, the submersible. Don't call it a submarine. It's not a submarine. It's a submersible. Make sure you get that right. At least I'm told. Charlie Hurt is on one of my absolute all-time favorite guests and people in general, Washington Times opinion editor, Fox contributor, and a friend of mine for a very long time. Uh, We talk about culture and fatherhood, and then we get into the Biden family's callousness. Also, we get into Durham and his failings, plus more news and politics. As always, one of the most interesting people in all of media and always a blast to talk to. So that's a big show. Let's get into it. yesterday's show, uh, I recommend going back and listening to it. I think pretty much all the clips are on Breitbart's SoundCloud page. The SXM app is, of course, the best way to listen to these things, and um, which is how I've I probably listened back to more shows that way than any other, any other way over the years. And uh, Breitbart News Daily podcast uh, is another way to get part of it, highlights. Um, but I made a couple announcements. I'll reiterate them quickly. If you want the full dramatic rundown, it's very dramatic. I was I kind of broke down on air, which I was not totally anticipating, even though that's what people told me. People told me that's what would happen, and it did happen. And I can see I'm proud of it, but you know what? It's an authentic moment. So um, I, I kind of I, I play a cool guy on radio, but sometimes, you know, a normal person. With normal emotions. Um, But so tomorrow will be my last show in the captain's chair. I remain editor-in-chief of Breitbart, which means I remain in control and in charge of editorial at Breitbart. So in the show, Breitbart News Daily will continue with a wonderful host, Mike Slater, um, who is my choice to take over the show. And it was a long time of thought and trial and scrutiny for Mike to get that job. It's a big job, and uh, I hope everyone wishes... Uh, Mike the best and gives him a shot that would be most helpful to me because it's my interest that the show goes on for 100 years so uh, that would be my hope and uh, so the best thing to do if you want to help and support me is to give Mike a, a shot which I, just based on my email feedback it sounds like that's already going to happen and that makes me feel good um, so that's number one if you want to stay in touch with me then a lot of you've been taking me up on this and it has been awesome um, I have uh, if you go over to alexmarlow.com, I've got a feedback window where you can 
type anything out to me. It'll go straight to my inbox. And that inbox is at aloha at alexmarlow.com. So, uh, so you could sign up there and then you'll be on my, a list to receive emails from me. Um, and I'll probably do some sort of a newsletter and you can email me whenever you want, aloha at alexmarlow.com and you can always find me there. I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails yesterday from you guys and a lot of people sharing stories with me, uh, sharing what uh, the show means to them or sometimes a, a, a roast or a joke of some, of some kind. It's all amazing and even some of you who wrote hate mail, some of you who seem PO'd at me, that's fine too. It's the... The relationship with radio host and audience member, as I've said so many times over the years, it's one that I've experienced so often from the other direction as a listener, too. So uh, I, I want to hear from you and I want to stay in touch. So those are the ways to do it. And I have not read through all the emails, which is about the highest compliment you could give me is that you wrote me so many wonderful emails. I could not read them all. In, in a row. So uh, I will be catching up on those and I'll be responding to a lot of them. But please, by all means, uh, I, I will read all of them, I promise. So that's at a minimum. and I'll try to respond to many of them. So feel free to reach out. I encourage you to reach out. But more importantly, it'll be a way to keep in touch with what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not going away. In fact, I'm going to do hopefully bigger and better things. That would be the intention. So uh, and you'll still hear me on the air. You'll you'll hear my voice in in subtle ways throughout the broadcast anyway. But uh, I'll be on the air with Mike. Um, Mike will be on tomorrow, which will be fun. So it'll be fun to do a little handoff segment, which is, I, I you know who loves the handoff segments the most? The suits, the radio suits. They love the handoff segments. And and we're, we're doing it because Mike's a great guy anyway. So it's easy to do. And uh, we will do that tomorrow. Um, and then uh, I intend to start broadcasting again soon. Um I have, uh, there, there are already discussions of, of new shows with various different outlets that are out there. And I uh, have not settled on one. And, you know, it's a big decision to decide what I'm going to do. But so one of the reasons why I would love for you to go to, to alexmarlow.com and sign up, I, I don't know if I'm going to start creating content without some sort of a formal arrangement somewhere, kind of like what Tucker's doing on Twitter. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So if you drop me a line ahead of time, then you'll be the first to know if I start doing that, especially if I decide that the next project, I, I might be a year. I don't know. It might be a year. I don't want it to be. I want it to be five days. You know, it's a take a long weekend and let's start doing it. So but if it takes a while for me to settle somewhere personally, and what I'm going to do next in terms of broadcasting then, and I want to start creating some content in the interim. If you go to alexmarlow.com, then I, I, you, I'll be able to hit you in your inbox with that. And then we can go from there. So high recommendation. When you're over there, you will notice that I have a link up to my latest book project. I'll mention that momentarily, but it's a, it's a big, big deal. It's a big, big deal. And supporting my writing is another way that helps me a lot. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about um, that momentarily because it does come up in some of the news content, which I want to get into uh, today. There's a lot more news today. And we will take calls on this. Those of you who feel like you want to connect on this topic on the air today and tomorrow, uh, I'll take a lot of time for calls. And you're feel, feel free to give feedback, positive and negative. Any thoughts you have, uh, callers will just unbelievably moving yesterday and um, I have saved all of them personally 
so that I can uh, have them as a memento. So it means a lot to me, as you can tell. Um, okay, so let's get into the news before I'm sure we'll double back and hit some of that personal stuff later. Uh, but let's get into the news. Uh, John Durham testified on the investigation in the FBI targeting of Trump yesterday, special counsel. We had this coverage of Breitbart. It's really interesting to watch these things because it was certainly, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched a lot of it. And it was pretty interesting from a viewership perspective. And I'm, I'm going to, this is why it's good to have Congressman Klein on, who's a part of it yesterday. But the, it, it, from a viewership perspective, I was sort of entertained. The Democrats were at their, their craziest. Um, they're, they're, they're absolute wackiest in terms of what they were talking about and the various rants they were going on about Trump and how uh, his telling Durham he was going to he was risking his reputation in Washington by daring to investigate the origins of the Russian collusion hoax and how he was basically not going to be welcome at cocktail parties in Georgetown. But the implication read between the lines by doing this, it, all that stuff was entertaining. Uh, Matt Gates was on the other perspective, getting in Durham's face for not doing enough. But I just don't know really what the what the end game was, what the point was, and where it all went. I, I'll tell you what I learned from it. Those of you who are new to the show, and and uh, by the way, you're too late. Just kidding, just kidding. The show goes on. Um, but the uh, if you're new to the show, I've long been the, I think, the resident Durham skeptic of all of conservative media uh, in terms of conservative broadcasters. Seems like a good man, and, but he's conducted this investigation for such a long time, and I predicted no heads would roll, no meaningful consequences would come from it. Uh, I, I don't mean to take even a victory lap on it because how could I possibly... Uh, it's the it's not good for the country that I turned out to be right, but I was. So, but it seems like what we learned from yesterday is that uh, even though Hillary Clinton started the Russia collusion on the hoax and James Comey, who was FBI director, knew about it, he didn't tell anyone, including people at the FBI. Seems like a big deal. And it seems like that would be grounds for him getting subpoenaed and having to testify and perhaps being held accountable. Maybe, uh, I don't know, go to jail. Perhaps, maybe, find some way to lock one of these guys up. None of that happened, of course. And same thing goes for Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe and so many others. No one got held accountable. Many of them didn't even have to testify, which was the part that I think really rubs me the wrong way. They weren't even subpoenaed, and they weren't even forced to testify. And if they were asked to testify, they ignored it with no consequences. So... The accountability is zero. So I, I could play a lot of clips and all that stuff and tell you that this was a highlight and this is a low light, but it's just typical Washington gab fest where a lot of people, if you watch these things, you can see who's the sharpest people, who's the, who's the most politically pure. Um, but the, uh, the, the it, 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 who's the most politically pure, who are the best minds in the Congress, who are the worst minds in the Congress? Ahem, Cory Bush, ahem. But overall, what do we learn? We just learn that Durham didn't really bring the wood to the bad guys, which is what I would have told you three, four years ago. When did this start? I think it's about right, three years ago. Durham seems like a good guy, and he seems like a fairly nonpartisan guy, but 
Uh, ultimately, that is not the job. The job in this case was not being a good guy. The job was trying to hold the bad guys accountable. I'm not seeing any of that. I'm hoping Ben Klein will tell me that this is, I'm missing something big when he gets here. So it's kind of amazing that we're going back to this in, in one of my final shows in the captain's chair because it's just one of those one of those things where I feel like I called this shot a long time ago. And it's one of these things where talk radio, we're filling three hours a day, five days a week. It's going to come up in terms of content because the potential was so big. If Durham was going to lead an investigation, it was going to lead to James Comey getting um, a perp walked and put in handcuffs. And the, the repulsive struck and page. The two lovers, the two lovers. Talking about the smelly Walmart people. Then, you know, I wouldn't want to miss it. So, so, we, so we had to talk about this stuff from time to time. Um, FBI agents apparently apologized to Durham about how the Russia hoax probe was undertaken. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, I'm introducing one, and this might be a little early in the monologue to do it because I actually want caller feedback because there's no point to me introducing this unless you guys are going to call in and you're going to give me your thoughts on this. But I want people's take on the Titanic submarine mission. Um, it is one of the most unbelievable stories but I'm also afraid a little bit it's a head fake and trying to get us to take our focus off of meaningful things. Just a little bit worried about it, but it just feels like one of those classic Rorschach test stories. So it's four people, including a couple billionaires, uh, and they're going down something called a submersible to go check out the Titanic. And they are, I mean, we assume that they're, they're, they're not going to make it, right? Um, and the, the allegedly they have hours left to live at this point. And there was this sort of false report there. There was all this pinging in the bottom of the ocean that made you think that there this almost impossible rescue mission where they're looking at 900 mile, I'm presuming 900 square mile, but it's not even square mile. It's a cubed mile because you got depth. It's the ocean. It's not even square mile, 900 cubed mile. Maybe it's bigger than that. Um, they're looking at this, this area in the ocean, trying to go find it. Crew's running out of oxygen, and um, I think we're past the point where we where they would uh, presumably be out of oxygen. So, I, I but everyone is interested in this story, and I want to know where your take is on this because there's a lot of people online who feel like this is just a total tragedy. That it's very cool that these people, even these billionaires, are have this instinct to explore to you know you got, you got Magellan down there and Christopher Columbus like going to try to um, you, know, you got John Glenn's down there and uh, we got Neil Armstrong maybe Louis Armstrong you got all the Armstrongs are down there and they're going they're gonna go just explore something see something human eyes have never seen that's the goal and it doesn't matter how much money you have in the world that the adventurous instinct kicks in and you got to go check out the tangled Titanic wreck. Like they got to go see it. And that is kind of cool uh, because we need pioneers. We need people who are willing to do stuff that sounds absolutely batty because they feel like their curiosity takes over and they got to go explore. I mean, we wouldn't have America. We wouldn't have people like that. So explorers are are innately 
are going to come off as insane in their modern time. So you got that going. But then you've got the thing where I got to admit where my heart is. Now my, my mind is, of course, in the scenario I just laid out. that We need explorers, and this is probably just sort of tragic. But you, where my heart is, where my instincts are, is isn't there enough cool stuff to do on land? You know, maybe you can get on one of Jeff Bezos' rockets that go in the sky for 11 minutes. Like, do, do, do we have to go to the Titanic, which is essentially a famous underwater graveyard, and go down there and check it out? I think James Cameron warned about going down there, saying it's pretty dangerous. You got to be pretty careful. Um, and it sounds like they, they fired one of the safety people who are giving them caution that they're, they weren't prepared for this. They're navigating with a literal modified PlayStation style controller. So, um, if, it feels like clearly unnecessary and very reckless and perhaps playing with fire people's lives. There's also the place where the conspiracy theories kick in, if reasonably speaking. Because when you got a couple billionaires down there, uh, the M word certainly comes to mind, or the S word, sabotage, perhaps. But there's probably a lot of people who are related to some of these people who are down there who are probably eh, not too upset the submarine or the submersible is not coming back. Especially if you had a nutty, nutty billionaire uncle. Um, probably their states in order. They're probably feeling pretty good today. Just saying, a lot of people are like that. So it is a perfect Rorschach test. You could see tragedy as would-be heroes trying to explore one of the few uncharted things in the world that people are interested in. You could see a bunch of reckless, uh, spoiled, bored morons who had already done so much horse tranquilizer that they had felt like they experienced all the earthly pleasures they could feel. They had to go down and submersible to try to go see the Titanic wreckage. Uh, or perhaps you got some scenario where there's some sort of murder, sabotage, et cetera, that's going to take place. And I, I think that that's why we're so into it. But I'm always tempted when there's one of these stories that, kind of we're going to forget mostly we'll remember it a little bit because it's a hot news news story but we'll mostly forget about it it'll kind of be a footnote um and it you know you time it right when hunter biden's pleading guilty and getting the wrist slaps joe biden's poll numbers are decreasing in a major way um over in the uk it's a largely uk-based story you're seeing for the first time ever their debt to uh, GDP ratio is one to one. They never had that before. So it's not like it's great times over there. Like, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's some. this is something the media really wants us to focus on. And I am the media. And I will tell you, I don't really buy that one. I think it's kind of interesting enough that it's just capturing people's imaginations. So I, I really was curious where this audience shakes out. Are you in one of those groups? Do you have a strong opinion? And could you convince me uh, to your opinion? Okay, good. We've already got, got getting some listener response on that. So I, I want your take on that. So we'll come back to that once I introduce some more news stories. All right. Back stateside, back on land, where Marjorie Taylor Greene called Lauren Boebert a, can I say B-I-T-C-H on the, on the show? It's, it's so funny. I don't even know the rules. 
Um, I like a good swear word if it's timed perfectly in my life. This is one for those of you, life lessons with Alex here. Uh, don't get too dependent on the swear words, but don't be so much of a weenie you can't use them every once in a while if it's well-timed. The trick is, it's got to be twice as powerful as it is offensive. Uh, but anyway, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert on the House floor fighting about stuff. Uh, I, I, not to give a bigger take on this, because I don't really get totally get the context, but I will give a bigger take on this. I, I'm nervous about the divisions um, inside of the MAGA movement. And I, I don't think it served us well. And it's definitely something I'll be thinking about when I'm thinking about what I want to do next in terms of broadcasting, because there's a big space open right now, I think, for people who can broker a little bit between the uh, between the various factions, not just within the country, but within MAGA in general. So this type of stuff makes me nervous because these are two leaders, young leaders, high energy leaders in the conservative movement, and they're swearing at each other on the House floor. Not not great. So, um, I'm reading from the Daily Beast with Broke the Story. Angry exchange came as the two lawmakers have been swiping at each other over their competing resolutions to impeach President Biden, but tensions came to a head on Wednesday after Boebert leveraged a procedural tool to force a vote on her own impeachment resolution within days, undercutting Green, who'd offered her own resolution, but not the procedural advantages of forcing a vote. Green apparently cursed out Boebert while the House was voting Wednesday afternoon, and the two spoke in the center aisle of the House floor. Part of their interaction was captured on C-SPAN's cameras. According to two sources that saw the exchange and a third familiar with the matter, back and forth began when Boebert approached Green, then seated in the chamber and confronted her over statements he made about me publicly. All three of the sources said Green called Boebert a little B-I-T-C-H. She did not spell it. One of the sources said Green called her a little B-I-T-C-H. I mean, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And I'm nervous about this. I'm actually nervous about the divisions, that they're just competing for who could have a better impeachment. I mean, the Democrats don't do this. They don't do this. They don't do this. The Democrats don't do this. Um, we are going to get into now a little a little portion of the... Um, I'm going to give you an analogy. Politico has a story out about how Biden world once rolled their eyes at Gavin Newsom, and now they love the guy. So Gavin Newsom clearly was making moves behind Biden's back, trying to maybe anoint himself as the leader of the party. I think Newsom may have underestimated how much Joe Biden controls the Democrat machine at this point, as so much so many of us have. I'm not in that group. And... The now they've kind of figured each other out. I think Newsom lost a little bit of political clout because he blew his surplus that California had, which would have given him a pretty unique glide path to the White House. But now you've got Newsom, high energy, and clearly he's got his eyes on the White House, clearly has more qualifications, even though he's done a terrible job in California, he's still got a better narrative and a better ability to sell it than Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg. And he sees a huge opening here because Joe Biden does not have an heir. Joe Biden does not have anyone to pass the machine off to. There's no one. 
I mean, you saw what Buttigieg was doing is he's uh, reading, um, you know, the Iliad uh, and in, instead of being transportation secretary. Kamala Harris is cooking chicken dinners instead of being the vice president. It's the, 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 the um, and Joe Biden doesn't have any, none of his family members are available to pass the baton, pass the torch to. So Newsom's playing it right. He sees that. He's going to be an ally. They figured it out. This is how the Democrats do it. And Biden gets it. Biden never throws people under the bus. Why do you think Joe Biden all of a sudden, after all these years, after 50 years in Washington, he decided he's really into the trans stuff? All of a sudden, he decided that now he's going to be the guy who's going to invite the men with the fake brass to the White House after all this time, and he's going to pander to them. It's all about coalitions. This is how the left thinks. I, I, I've mentioned this in different contexts and how, remember how Black Lives Matter quickly went to Black Trans Lives Matter? Uh, it, is, it was explained to me by this guy, Eric Mann, who Larry Elder introduced me to his footage, who is a aging white guy who is a activist, community organizer who trained the Black Lives Matter ladies, that the goal is to build coalitions and mobilize the coalitions. Joe Biden doesn't care about trans. He sees that as a block of voters who will move to his side. And this is where everyone who walks around acting like Joe Biden is some sort of an idiot and some sort of a bumbling fool um, are the exact same people who Joe Biden's been dunking on for the last 50 years. So uh, that's why, and again, I'm a little bit reluctant to bring this up, but we only have two days together with me in the captain's chair, so I feel like I, I'd be, it would be foolish for me not to. Um, that's why my next book project is on Joe Biden. I spent a year investigating him with all researchers, either past or present, um, aff- affiliated with Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute, where I, I will be a fellow, where I am a fellow now, which is sort of breaking news. It's called Breaking Biden, Exposing the Hidden Forces and hidden and Secret Money Machine Behind Joe Biden, His Family, and His Administration. And I lay this out, and I lay out with 1,700 endnotes to back it up, how we've missed, we've missed the boat in the sky. We did not get it right. And we found lazy, low-hanging fruit narratives and you can see it. We'll do it today. You'll turn on your Twitter and, you know, uh, uh, RNC Twitter feeds will have clips of Joe Biden seeming stupid. And in the meantime, he'll be motivating another coalition. He'll be bringing another ally into his side to make sure that all of the various factions are going to be ready to go, ready to mobilize again to community organize on his behalf. So in the meantime, our side, we've got our leaders who are literally swearing at each other on the House floor. And not to single out those two congresswomen because they can sort it out. It's a broader approach that the left is destroying us with this approach. And we, I think, need a, need a reset on the way we look at some of these things. Um, that's only one of the reasons why I did this book. Of course, there's so many un, uh, uh, unearthed details uh, that I was able to uncover, and y'all be rolling those out, but I have to be a little circumspect there because I wanted to make it to the newsstand and not get canceled. But if you pre-order it, it does help against cancellation. 
So if you go to alexmarlow.com, you'll see a big, a big sign there. I'm not even mentioning it at Breitbart.com yet because I don't, I, I don't want to direct too much attention to it because that increases likelihood of cancellation. Um, I, I, I will tell you, I, I, I will bet my life the White House is not happy that this is happening. And it is, uh, I, I think you can help out if you buy enough copies to pass them out to friends and family members. If everyone reads this, the world will be a different place. It will. It's the deepest research I've ever done. 130 pages of endnotes to back it up. All the research. Pouring through documents. Of course, new laptop stuff that people have missed. All that's in there. But uh, I, I think the one thing that I can share now, I think is important to share, is there's, you will understand why we're in this mess. Not to mention the extent of of the damage that Joe Biden and his family have done, which has also been undersold because our media is irresponsible. But the the how it how it happening how it's happening, I think is another element. So anyway, Breaking Biden that's the book, and I owe you guys a lot. You guys were very patient with me while I was working on it. And there's a, a big button at alexmarlow.com if you want to go buy it, and it will uh, help me a lot if you do. Um. Joe reportedly spilled sensitive intelligence about Chinese spy balloons to campaign donors. So I, I note this because there are so many examples of people sharing sensitive information, sharing perhaps confidential information, and none of them ever go to jail. Uh, Joel Pollack has finally complete, completed a piece that I've been teasing, and it's amazing. Um, I just read the latest draft last night. Of all of these examples, example after example after example, of where documents were mishandled, classified documents were mishandled, and the information went unpunished. Um, the Bill Clinton Sox case that Trump's been citing, of course, the Hillary Clinton server is just unbelievable to uh, relive that. And he's so many other examples. I mean, Leon Panetta sharing confidential documents with a screenwriter. To make a movie. No one gets held accountable. So we'll have that. I'll probably post it over the weekend. Just to make sure that people have a. Real chance to. um, uh, uh, Kind of think about it. Contemplate it. But that is. Biden probably shared some. Perhaps confidential stuff. And there'll be no accountability. Because we have two tier justice system. And that is the nature of how the Democrats are beating us. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. would be a big threat to Joe Biden, but the machine will mobilize on Biden's behalf. There are reports that Democrats are really conflicted on how to approach RFK Jr. They are not conflicted. They know exactly how to approach him. Ignore him at all costs. Make sure he doesn't have to debate Joe Biden, or he doesn't get to. Make sure he's censored from YouTube. And they're going to use his VAC stuff to censor him. The, the, the playbook's out there. They're going to try to get all this content taken offline because he does some of the extreme VAX content. All right. Um, semi-positive thing. How censors Adam, Sch- Adam Schiff for spreading false information on Trump-Russia collusion? I'm all for it. I really know what it does, but I'm still happy about it. Why not? Anything to make Pencil Next Life a little more miserable. Um, one of the worst guys in Washington by far, and he'll probably be the next senator from California. Lucky me. Uh, 
Democrat Daniel Goldman, who basically bought his House seat after being a part of one of the Trump impeachments as an attorney, one of these guys who just a totally out of touch plutocratic left winger said Hunter Biden should be commended for accepting responsibility for taking a plea deal on this felony gun crime. Isn't that something? Should be commended. The guy skirts are any accountability for all the horrible stuff he's done. He is still bagging cash from overseas while his dad's president. You can bet he'll be back on Air Force Two in no time, flying around the world, cutting deals. Joe Biden says, I'm very proud of my son. A congressman who's also, I think was a, either a Harvard professor, or definitely a Harvard trained guy, attorney, Daniel Goldman. So he, be, he should be commended. He should be commended for a federal gun crime and tax evasion. At a minimum, at a minimum. We know he's doing a lot more than that, but he's pled guilty to those things. Claire McCaskill, who is former senator, who's on MSNBC, says, back off Joe Biden. He loves his son. You see this? This is how they're beating us. Bud Light wins a creative marketer award as even as, as their sales crater 27%. They get awards. This is, they circle the wagons on behalf of their people. We on the right don't do this. We splinter, we fracture, we cancel, we fire, we call each other names. It's very tempting to do this. I understand this. There are people on our side of the aisle who enrage me. But I don't really bring them up on the show very often unless they cross some sort of a line that is important to me. Um, or they're clearly established themselves as part of the controlled opposition, a la the Paul Ryans of the world, who's very hard to see. I don't know where I agree with Paul Ryan, maybe in taxes. So hard to say he's on my side, I would say. But people on our side in general, on the right, we find little nitpicks, like our impeachment articles are not as good as my impeachment articles. Your impeachment article is not as good as mine. On the left, they're taking Bud Light, who's a clear failure in terms of marketing. They're giving them awards. Hunter Biden, who's making a mockery of this country, is uh, should get commended. All right, here's one that is so fun. So yesterday, people were dunking on St. Greta Thunberg. The, you know she graduated high school, by the way? In, in her 20s. I think it, she was like 21. She finally graduated high school because she had to drop out so she could do her climate activism. Um, I think she's pretty good on China, though. I think we give her some positive coverage on that. But she's a famous tweet from June 21, 2018, where a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. So that was June 21, 2018, which people were waiting for it five years ago yesterday. So we had five years to save humanity and... So I, I guess we are living, it's hard to say, in the multiverse maybe, maybe in the multiverse, if there is a multiverse, then perhaps in different variations, maybe we're already dead at this point. Maybe we're already dead. Not in this universe, the one where we're having this conversation today. But uh, people are dunking on her because it's been five years and the world is basically the same. Worse off in other ways. But her end of the world prediction uh, has expired. Will there be any accountability for her? No, no, they will not. 
She will continue to get awards. She will continue to get funding. She will continue to be treated like a saint. All right, this is a couple days old, but I should have mentioned it just because it's so outrageous. Pentagon says it has $6.2 billion more for Ukraine um, uh, that was sent to them in an accounting error. The point is, the accounting error always involves us sending more taxpayer money out the door. It never is an accounting error error that means we did not pay enough. So it's the if I underpay on my taxes, do you think that they'll accept that I just I can just call an accounting error, or are they going to come by with uh, the Brinks truck and try to bag more of my cash? Another thing we knew about, BlackRock is going to help Ukraine rebuild their society at the end of the war. So the BlackRock, who's got, I think, at least 13 people in the White House, I counted. I tallied this up in, while I was com- composing the book, Breaking Biden. I mean, it's impossible to write enough about BlackRock. It needs its own book um, in terms of their influence. But revolving door between BlackRock and the White House. And then BlackRock is going to rebuild Ukraine, and uh, the White House funds Ukraine's war. Bada bing, bada boom. Brian Deese, the guy who's in charge of Joe Biden's economic policy until a couple of weeks ago. A BlackRock guy, World Economic Forum guy. Duh. Of course, this is happening. Got the BlackRock guys in the White House. They like the war, and they're going to make money off the war. Um, a little bit of fake news out there. Uh, Joe Biden calling Xi Jinping a dictator. Uh, this is a, another Joe Biden brilliant head fake. Sorry, it is. It's the, the, this is, he gets the media riled up. The Western media gets out there and says, look at him. He's so tough on Chi. He's so tough. None of his policies are tough on Chi. Or, you know, a couple of South China Sea things are, are not awful. But he is a D minus on his China policy. He is not tough. You can even see it. I mean, Tony Blinken's body language, we pulled an amazing photo uh, in Francis Martel's piece we had up yesterday at Breitbart News. North Korea ridicules Blinken's disgraceful begging trip to China. There's a photo. You can see Blinken, who looks like this small, hunched-over little weasel. And then you have Xi Jinping, who's perfect body language, smiling, perfect posture, looks sharp in his suit. Blinken's suit looks baggy at the ankles. A total goof. Because he is a goof. He's he's a rich goof, though, because he knows how to build the system. But we go over there, we accomplish nothing, we get nothing. We get nothing. And then Joe Biden does a little bit of trash talk and then he can change the narrative. And then we can all ignore all of the deals, like how Hunter Biden is still part of BHR Partners, which is a China equity company. Hunter Biden is still making money off of, off of China right now as we're having this conversation. It's not even a secret. But hey, a little bit of tough talk from Biden, and that keeps the media at bay. Here and you will hear why right now. Charlie, happy Juneteenth, happy Pride to you. Uh, it's, are you celebrating both? What do you do on Pride on Juneteenth, which is occurs during Pride? You know, it's really weird. I mean, 
I mean, first of all, we're going to run out of days. Oh, yeah. And then the second thing is, why is it that Juneteenth is in Pride Month? I think that that's a real, that seems like a real problem to me. That seems like a, you're short shifting both Pride and Juneteenth. Yes. And, you know, you could have done, done Juneteenth um, a lot of different days, I think. Um, I, and so I, I, and, and I've, I've been observing Juneteenth since I was a pretty young, young, young man when, uh, because I, I lived in Detroit for years and back in the, like the nineties and they were on to Juneteenth before anybody else was on to Juneteenth. And we like the school system would celebrate it. So, but I, but, it, but so, so actually they, I think they had Juneteenth before they had pride month. So, so really, I, I would think maybe Juneteenth would, would have dibs on it, wouldn't you think? Uh, I'd be interested to see if I did a man in the street thing, if I went out to you know the quad at UCLA and I asked people um, to get on board with moving Juneteenth because it takes a day out of Pride Month. Uh, I, I bet I could do that, where we should be focusing on Pride. And, and I bet I could do the opposite. See, I, 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 I bet I could get people to complain. Yeah. Sure, sure. But but I bet you could do the opposite, too. I bet you could convince people that it's unfair that pride, which is ostensibly based off of your sexual orientation, um, which is not earned. It is just what it is right. that that's not worthy of a whole month. Okay, Probably it's not worthy of five minutes for Italians. Right. You, you, you can't control it. You're just you're born. Yes. Of Italian descent. And therefore, yes, you know. Right. Exactly. So 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 why is that a month? Right. No, exactly. They we should have Juneteenth move, month. But, but I but I really they, they should move Pride Month to um like maybe the thirteenth month of the year. Why do you think they put Pride in June? They should have put it in July, just go full on trolling to compete with July fourth. Just like totally just swallow up July fourth with Pride. <laughs> they should they should put it in the month between December and January is when they should put it. Yes, there, there's it's a little-known month. It's like Pluto, the Pluto month. It's very, it's, it's very cold. It's very barren. Um, a lot of people miss it, but it's right there between December 31st and, and yeah. January 1st. We should and go full. Lewis, we should, put, we should that's go where we should put Pride Month. Yeah, we should put full. We should go full Lewis Carroll. We should do the. Um, uh, we should celebrate our unbirthdays. So every day of the year but one. We'll celebrate those days or unbirthdays. We'll do that with Pride. We'll have one month that's not Pride, and and everything else isn't, will be Pride. And anyway, isn't Pride one of the seven deadly sins? Aren't we supposed? Aren't we supposed to not uh, uh, be burdened by Pride? Isn't that what we? Isn't that what growing up is? Is you, it's basically it, that's what child having children. Is. Yeah, it is a systematic, relentless, nonstop effort in, which is what life is to teach you that pride is ridiculous pride is foolish pride is hilarious to god finds pride hilarious because every time you start like you know pimping your walk and you're like yeah mm -hmm. i got this then like something happens and and then you hear thunder and it's god laughing because he's like yeah but see you were just being proud we yes. I, I saw that I said, you got your shoes shine, you're walking down the street, you checked yourself in the plate glass window, and, yeah. you know, I, 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 it, it was a little much. I needed to remind you that you have nothing to be proud of. Um, 
That is noteworthy that that is. It's one of those things that we normalize so much stuff that is clearly not good for us that it's hard to keep track of when something is is actually satanic and it is even those of us who have the are supposed to follow the stuff not just we're not just supposed to have our radar fine-tuned charlie folks like you and me but it's also our job to be able to be observant about what's going on but you you know it's not a subtle one you know it's not a subtle female genital mutilation that's not one of the subtle ones that's not one one of the ones where where you get into you get into that you take your machete and you get into it and then somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, I know this is going to surprise you, but female genital mutilation, not a good thing. That's um, in the satanic department. In fact, I, I mean, I remember it was just like it was like maybe 10 years ago that I ever it was the first time I ever heard of it in like National Geographic or something. And I'm like, I was like, are you kidding me? There are people that do this. And then and everybody it was like a 100 percent issue. In America, everybody was like, "Yeah, this is this is this is the evil stuff right here," and then and then it's like it's like the you know it's like pride said, "Here, hold my beer, watch this." Yeah. Well, this is where you. This is where when it's the I'm pretty. I grew up in West LA. Uh, Andrew Breitbart was famous for promoting uh, gay conservatives who were actual conservatives and not just. You know, giving them a voice uh, and when they were disenfranchised by um, extreme people in the conservative movement. So, you know, that's where my heart is initially. But we went it was such a short walk, Charlie, from same sex marriage, (laughs) which I was not supportive of, uh, by the way, at the time, because specifically the slippery slope to, you know, 15 years later, we're at it is a civil right to have a drag queen be able to twerk on a child in a public library. Like if you don't if you don't have that, like like your my civil rights are being infringed upon. And th- that was so rapid. And for whatever reason for much of the country that was still a slow enough burn where it got normalized. And this is where I'm saying well, we need to start paying attention to what is what is it actually a satanic force within our culture. Right. Yeah, and 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 not only that, but also it's the it's not just the twerking, the, the uh, strip club twerking on children in the park thing. No, it's public also library. Public library. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. Did I say public park? Oh, my goodness. We yeah. have libraries. Yeah, we have libraries. We are. We're cutting edge. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that's really strange about this is whatever you think of. This has always been the weird thing about pronouns to me. The, because pronouns have are no longer like we were taught pronouns issuing uh, uh, i uh, 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 pride uh, i was the worst pronoun you weren't supposed to use that you were it was like beaten into you in grammar school that um you you never begin a sentence with i which of course nobody violates that more than i do uh because because i'm but you know I'm not good at these things, but grammar, the whole point of grammar, the whole point of pronouns um, was uh, to, to say something that was, that, you know, to speak so that people could understand you. But what's so interesting about this and to me is that it's, it's such a, it's such an intensely personal attack on freedom 
and it's such intense censorship that it's not just that you have a right to have a torque fest in a public library with chil- on children, but you have to – everyone there is ordered to obey and use the, these made-up false fake pronouns to describe – use the wrong words to describe what they all know is the wrong pronoun for that because the person has unburdened himself or herself to explain why that pronoun is wrong. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's more than just, it it really is like at the point of a gun, you're being forced to recite things that you know, or not. you can't in, in a free country, you can't force somebody to say something that they know is true if they don't want to say it. And we've jumped all the way to this point where it's perfectly acceptable for for these people to force someone to say something they know is not true. And if you don't, you get canceled or you get run out of town. And and it's it's like, and and all of it is done in the name of like love and compassion and and freedom and liberty and pride and all that. And you're just shaking your head. You're like. What are you talking about? This is insane. Yeah, th- this is the last scene, or I guess second to last scene of 1984, where uh, uh, yeah. the the yeah. Winston, the the protagonist, is in his final stage of reeducation, and he is finally forced, after holding out longer than anyone, to recite falsehoods. And then then he's that that is only when he's freed, when he is willing ultimately through intense coercion and torture being willing to recite falsehoods like like that's it that's the end and again yeah. but we're so busy watching the kardashians that we don't have time to read 1984 because i mean there's another kardashian spin-off on it's the kardashians keep up with the kardashians it's it's actually you watch the kardashians watch old episodes of the kardashians and so we watch the kardashians watch the kardashians and that's what we do now and it's the and 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 that that's how we got to spend most of our time. We got to spend at least twenty three hours a day on the Kardashians, and then once we're done with that, then maybe we have time to um, hopefully listen to talk radio for five minutes, and I can mention something in nineteen eighty four to people. <laughs> and then, but then, but then, if you and the, the, to top it all off, you they, they then will take nineteen eighty four, and God forbid you mention nineteen eighty four. The same people who are doing this will take 1984 and use it as a defense of what they're doing. Right. Like, Did you read the book? <laughs> that is true. That is true. No, no. And they haven't read it. I mean, but they read the uh, spark notes. So uh, Charlie, I was thinking about something that maybe you could help me with. Um, I've been on air for on Sirius XM for, for 10 years, just about as a host almost. And uh, in this show since the beginning, which was in 2015 and I've been the host since summer 2016 and tomorrow is going to be my last show in in the captain's chair and i was thinking i managed not to get canceled and i was wondering if should we try to do that just to gin up some more media <laughs> it's the for if, if liz and dave and greg are listening I, I am joking i will say that right away i'm not, I'm not going to get canceled well, I like but it, it would be something you, the, I, I like <laughs> that, that you get in there this is where you can follow alex marlowe and i think that what, what you all i think you should also tell people what your OnlyFans page is, mm. so that if you do get canceled uh, today or tomorrow, they can still they can still find you on OnlyFans. 
and yeah. keep up with all of your all of your latest. Not to go back in a time machine, Charlie, but I guess um, uh, the it's important to note that the most influential white woman in the world, according to Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, uh, she got famous for putting out a sex tape with a rapper, and apparently her mom did the PR <laughs> on the sex tape release. Like she actually coordinated how to release the sex tape to the public. Is it any wonder that we're in this OnlyFans culture where now we are people subscribing to? Just normal people taking the clothes <laughs> off for you is the is this is what I'm talking about with, with the satanic stuff is the did we miss it? Did we miss the signs? I believe we did. I, we, I believe we missed a few signs that culturally we're headed to a very degraded place and we're probably already there. When you start putting these dots together, all of a sudden the you know, the the public library twerking um, starts making a lot more sense. Yeah. Although I, you know, I, and maybe it's because I have—I I don't know—I I have this sort of like weird, uh, deformed gene where I, I um, as depressing as it all gets, um, I, I get uh, optimistic um, in, in our our general future. That um, I, I, I really do believe. I mean, like I'm amazed at how many young people I meet, and I, obviously this is a. Um, this is a you know self-selecting group of people because who would meet me? Um, but uh, but the number of kids I meet, young people I meet today, increasingly, and all my kids do, who uh, erase all social media, off or or get rid of their phones, or, or or the other one that I love is they'll they'll find flip phones because their parents want them want to be able to reach them, and they'll yeah. find flip phones. I, but the number of Kids I personally know who who do that, and and my and my thinking on it is that if if you're actually giving these kids and not you know and I think drugging them up is probably the worst thing you can do to them in terms of helping them reach that point where they look at this and they say they 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 know themselves to your point about the satanic thing they recognize it themselves and they realize it themselves that this is evil. And they, and they, and and if they're given the tools to reject it, they will. And uh, and 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 of course, you know, the biggest pride thing in the world, of course, is the social media thing and and the that constant dopamine drip. That yeah. you know, good lord, you you do it to. But it gives me great hope that a, you know a lot of these kids, the number of kids I see who in, instinctively discover on their own that this and recognize the evil for what it is and they have the self-discipline to reject it and walk away from it and find 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 a find a more wholesome way to to live life that that is so awesome charlie it's are, are all your kids college age or around college age at this point yeah two so two in college and then one finishing up high school so that that is exactly the right sweet spot. So you probably have a pretty good sample size of this. And this is where there, of course, is going to be a course correction because we've added this catastrophic, it is catastrophic, but this colossal culture shift where we went from people would generally interact with the world, would touch grass from time to time, would have a conversation in person. Um, would show up places in order to live their life. And then we replaced our real selves with our virtual selves, with these avatars on social media. 
And of course, there's going to be a course correction to that. It has to. It has to happen. It, but it's yeah. highly addictive and very easy, you know, pacifier-like to just scroll and scroll and scroll all day. But of course, it's not good for you. And we all know it's not good for us. And we're it meant our mental health is deteriorating rapidly because of it. So, but you're saying you're seeing the evidence that it is people are pulling back from that, or they're they're starting to perhaps acknowledge that this is we're setting ourselves up for failure with the social media addictions. Yeah, and 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 I don't know that it's part of a, a much larger trend, but but I know that um, I, but I I like I, I met a twelve year old boy the other day who all he, he was like out of his tree. He was so excited because he had just finished. <laughs> planning his quarter acre garden uh, entirely by himself. Wow. And the entire time, I probably spent 45 minutes with the kid, and the entire time, um, uh, I, there, there was never a phone, never a camera, ne- never a device, nothing. And, and, and it was, but, but he could, he, he, you know, we walked over and he walked me through his garden. And he knew where every little thing was planted. The enormous amount of pride, and and think, and and obviously the you know the discipline that it takes to, yes. to plant a garden. Not, not not only the hard work that goes into it, but then the delayed gratification. Of, of course, wait months, and then and then have to guard it. That and that's the thing that I love the most about, especially for boys, is the the um, you know it celebrates that. In the, the the human instinct that uh, in male if it's missing in males becomes enormously dangerous in society. Then the, the uh, profound need to wake up before dawn with the urgency of needing to protect something, and then running out to make sure that um, you know the birds haven't gotten into your fresh tomatoes or whatever it is that you've that you're trying to protect, but that, that sense of, uh, of d- devotion and duty to protect, um, to protect something, you know, instilling that in a 12 year old boy, that's good. That's going to be, that's going to be a good man. Just that's such a wonderful story, Charlie, that that really does cheer me up. Okay, Charles, before I get to the news with you, give me your top three activities to do with, with children at any age you want just free associate as a dad. Mm. Well, uh, obviously hunting is the first one or no, no, fishing is the first one. I figured um, you'd say fishing. That was uh, my bet. That was my bet. It's a, I should have, yeah. I should have bet producer Zach during the break. Yeah. So and, and in fact, we're, next week we're, uh, me and the boys are going uh, shark fishing in, in the Gulf. Shark fishing is, is the absolute best because it's, uh, 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 well, we, I mean, we, 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 as you know, we can talk about that forever. Um, and uh, and then obviously hunting is, is like um, is the other big one. And then I'm I'm gonna whiff on the third one, um, but probably uh, you know pro- 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 you know probably uh, uh, you know ha- having meals or preparing meals uh, just because the the net result of it is I'm not you know I mean I'm a pretty basic food person. But the net result of it is um, you sit down for uh, an hour and a half and around a couple of plates of food and you and you talk about stuff and you uh, laugh your ass off uh, and tell stories. Um, and so I, I, I guess that that would be my third one. But I'm sure I'll kick myself later because I, when I think of the other ones. What about you? 
Oh, well, I don't know yet. No, no, I, I get my parenting advice from you, Charlie. This is purely selfish. I'm asking this question. I just want to know because I'm, I'm new at the dad thing, even though we have equal amount of kids. Well, it's, so, you know, it's the... but, but it's also it's really important to torture your children um, at, like on like death marches up mountains, you know, and stuff like that. So, so that, that one would also so it would definitely have to sort of be in there because um, you're doing uh, I mean, death marches are the best with children, like to the point where. There, like, like even the missus is like, really, can 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 we turn back now? And you're like, no, we're gonna get to the top of the mountain. You know, yeah. That, that's, and they and they secretly love, even if they're complaining, they love it. They yeah. love it because it's a sense, you know, a sense of accomplishment, you know. At the end of absolutely, it all. Uh, 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 absolutely. No, I know we're big into the, the dance parties. Um, I had a big day yesterday because um, Duchess Marlowe, who is, I guess, what is she? She's 17 months. Um, she, she, so she she initiated it. She was the first one to get dancing, which was, that was pretty cool. That was the first time. <laughs> um, uh, the other one that she's in, so I got this for Master Marlowe's second birthday, who's uh, turning five in, in two months. Um, I got him a blue truck, one of those, just, it's a, it's a, Play school or, or whichever one of those companies actually made in America, um, which, by the way, there's one part that's made in China and that part didn't work, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> the, the, a, 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 everything else is made in America. Cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't it was cheap, cheap enough and the, it survived the, three the, years. I mean, and, that one part was. But the but oh, the, yeah. But the problem is that you can't just get that replacement part. You have to throw no, out the, you get the whole thing. thing. Yeah. You got to throw it all out. Exactly, Mundo. So, so this thing has survived three years, and she, I could push her in it, Charlie. I think for like eight to nine hours, to the point where <laughs> yesterday I was doing it, and we had the music going, and I think I called my dad and was talking to him, and then, and then after a while, I realized I hadn't even said anything to my daughter for like ten minutes, and I should say like, <laughs> "Hey, great job! Honk the horn, beep beep," <laughs> just something like that, just to remind myself because it's she's being content in there for, for, for hours. She's, yeah, she's, she's just rocking away. <laughs> Yeah, really, really. No, but but she grabs the wheel. She she's driving. Um. Anyway, I'm I, I have to talk to you about the news. I'm being I'm being selfish here, even though I know these segments. There's a certain part of my audience who likes those questions more than the news questions. Um. But I want to get your take on the well, news. I have uh, let's to say, start. I, I, yeah. You know, on a personal level, obviously, I'm going to to miss them. Uh. But I, I I'm I'm going to miss this show. Uh. And I think I speak. I know I speak for uh, everybody out there. I'm going to miss this show. But, um. You know, as uh, there, there is no doubt in my mind. If there's, if there's one guy who's going to uh, uh, come up with n- new ways to contribute to all of this, um, it's going to be, uh, it will be you. And I look forward to it because uh, uh, you, 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 you still carry the, 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 the torch of Andrew Breitbart uh, inside you uh, better, more faithfully than anybody I know. And, uh, wow! So wow! Um, I, as, as, as sad as I am uh, at, at, at this passing, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to the what the future holds with you. Well, thanks, Charlie, and it means a lot to me. And you know how much you mean to me. It's uh, Charlie on one hand has helped me in my career more than. Um, just about anyone else. There's only a handful of other people who rank up there with Charlie. So uh, I owe you a lot, my friend. And I know we'll, whatever's next will be really cool. I'm, I'm sure. Just got to figure out exactly what that is. Yeah. But it certainly involves not setting my alarm um, before 3 a.m. I will tell you that. <laughs> I will tell you that. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I, I, 
I don't know. How, I, am I even awake now? I mean, that's the question. It's the. Can right. you imagine? It's five thirty-two right. in the morning where I am right now, and I've been at work for three and a half hours. It's the. It's a, that's not Look, normal. If I'm not, if, if if I'm not waking up at four uh, thirty in the morning to go and freeze my ass off in a duck blind with uh, children, then I'm not getting out of bed. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine. <laughs> What it must be like uh, to to get up even earlier and to do it uh, as long as you've been doing it <laughs> on the wrong coast. It's yeah, it's. But I'm glad you, you get done a, it. You get an interesting relationship with sleep when you go down this road. As it's, it's now, it's becoming a bit that I'm not talking about the news with you. It's almost like I'm intentionally dragging it out. Um, the um the but it, you 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 really. Uh, I used to be a really early morning golfer. Um, you know this, Charlie. My hobby's golf, and and I used to. I used to be the first tea time I could get, whatever it was, whatever when the sun was up, because you play the fastest and then you the rest of your day. Um, and now I don't want to do that as much. I wonder if it's an act of rebellion, but it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know if the 640 tea times for me, like that might be too early, which is, <laughs> of course, is not too early. It's the I'm live on air coast to coast at 303 in the morning so I can play golf at 640. But uh, I don't want to anymore. Like, it's just like, eh, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for it to warm up a little bit. Um, okay, but I got to get your, your thoughts on some stuff. Um, uh, it looks like uh, adding to my a my faux taxidermy deer uh, head trophies in my trophy room, which I don't have. Um, the Durham report and John Durham turned out to be total dud. Um, useful information, but no accountability. No, no, no one arrested. No charges. Um, or maybe one minor guilty plea somewhere, but it's the not even the bad guys weren't even subpoenaed, much less had to testify. Um, what is your take on this? Are we better or worse off? Uh, and did we learn anything that you think is important over the last day or two? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, as you point out, it's uh, much of the stuff is stuff that that we already knew or had suspected for a long time, but that doesn't mean that it's not shocking and outrageous. Um, the the one thing I would say though, and I, and, and I guess maybe ch to channel uh, Andrew a little bit here, you know, th this is never going to resolve itself as a criminal. There's, there's not going to be a court solution to this. There's not going to be a, criminal statute solution to all of this it is it has to be a political solution and it has to be a recognition by congress that actually the fbi is part of the executive branch but it is entirely funded by congress and is answerable to congress um and in fact if if congress doesn't like the smell of some of the people in the FBI, they can, you know, if they, if 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 they, if, they, if Congress determined that the FBI smelled like a bunch of Walmart shoppers, um, that Congress has the right, the responsibility, to uh, to cease funding the FBI. That is the that's their responsibility, and it's like, but we've gotten into this position where it's like the FBI and, and other parts of the executive branch that are entirely answerable to, you know, in terms of funding to Congress, 
that Congress is just like, well, there's nothing we can really do about it. Oh, you're going to, you know, oh, Eric Holder is going to tell us to screw ourselves. You know, we're, we're going to hold you in contempt, but there's nothing we can do about it. No, actually, there is something you can do about it. You can take all of their funding away, 100 percent of their funding away until you get what you want. And, and, and we've seen this sort of over the decades, and both parties are responsible for it, um, where they, if the party in power in Congress and the party is the same as the party that's in power in the White House, they, the party in Congress just rolls over. Like, it's so weird. They just roll over, and they give away all of their power. And until politicians, and I think it will only happen in the Republican Party, maybe it will happen in the Democrat Party, wake up and rem- remember that they have absolute authority to take everything away from these people so that there are no paychecks left. Paychecks for Christopher Ray. Nobody gets paid because Congress has taken all their money away. Until they wake up and recognize that and realize that yeah. and start affecting their influence on the FBI or DOJ and, and other, then then it's never going to get fixed. And we can sit here and we can have all the reports we want, investigations and all kind of, and, it, and it'll be you know entertaining. I, I I'll be honest with you minutes into the, the the hearings yesterday i just I, I just threw my i, I threw all, almost put my fist through the screen and i was like you know what i'm not I, I can't stand any of it and even the good guys i couldn't stand anymore i don't want to hear any more about it i just i just blew up and i was like you know i'm not gonna i, I can't deal with this but until politicians recognize that and start affecting using their authority the authority the, the responsibility that they have like you know that boy worrying about his garden until they start worrying about this stuff and actually take control. We're just, you know, we're, we're sitting in the wind. Um, Next up on my list, Charlie is presidential race. Uh, The the candidates keep jumping in. I'm trying to understand what the, what the deal is. I find myself forgetting that people are, are in the race like the mayor of Miami, who it seems like a compelling <laughs> guy, and like so he just boring. joined, like yeah, I just already forgot that he's in the race, and so I'm show up at some some podcast, and I'm like oh yeah, that guy, and it's just like what what why um of all the races, unless it's just an audition for Trump cabinet positions, um but you know Trump has got such an uphill battle to win, and that he's because given all of the forces that are conspiring against him. And then, you know, people who are in Trump's cabinet end up not seeming to enjoy it. So it just feels like an odd, it just is an odd thing that people just keep entering the race for who knows what reason. I just don't totally get it, but maybe you have a take other than yeah, narcissism. Is that all it is? Up helping Trump. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, and, you know, for every one of them that gets in, it ends up helping Trump, the person that they claim to want to prevent from, uh, from, from getting the nomination. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I guess it's sort of it loses its interest because it is so similar to 2016 in terms of sort of the dynamic where you have Trump and then all of these little midgets running around uh, that are you know having a hard time getting any sort of traction. Um, and <clears throat> to me, uh, but I'd say that the to me the most interesting thing right now in the whole race is on the Democrat side, watching this 
the, this rise of RFK and within the Democrat Party and all of the stuff in all the ways that he represents everything that Joe Biden isn't. You know, Joe Biden has spent his entire career, you know, serving himself, amassing a, a huge fortune off of a government salary, which still nobody has explained how, how you do that. Um, people, I know people who have made a lot more money than a government salary their entire lives and um, have, have amassed nothing compared to what this guy has amassed. It's really very interesting. And then you have a guy like Robert F. Kennedy, who, whatever you think of his politics and his family, and I, I tend to, to find his family buffoonish and ridiculous, but uh, you can't take it away from him. He has spent, devoted his career to cleaning up the Hudson River, uh, which is like an old school, you know, liberal Democrat sort of think, way of thinking. He, 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 uh, he goes after littering. How many, when was the last time you heard a Democrat? When was the last time you heard uh, Adam Schiff or, or, or one of these these goons that represent San Francisco worrying about litter? You know, litter used to, like my grandmother was like, littering was like the biggest campaign of her life. No, it's not the biggest. Literacy was the biggest. And teaching people how to drive. But, but littering was top five yeah. campaign yeah. in her life. And all these people have walked away from. But so you have a guy like RFK and, uh, you know, the juxtaposition between him and Joe Biden, and they are so scared of him. Democrats are just dying. They are so scared of him because, like Trump, he is he, he will not be he won't listen to him. And he says all the things you're not supposed to say. Um, yeah, that is. Good takes. Charlie, let me get your thoughts on Hunter and his guilty pleas that amount to nothing. Um, he's only going to have to pay his the mother of his child, the stripper, uh, London Roberts, who he had in his payroll while she was pregnant. He only has to pay her $5,000 a month. The Biden family continues continue to ignore their granddaughter, Navy Joan. Uh, and he had a federal gun charge, even, and now he'll be able to buy other guns. So it's good to see he's a sec- Second Amendment advocate. I appreciate that about Hunter. That's really great. Appreciate that. The, the, he's great. Glad to have him on the fight. Uh, what do you make of all this? And was there anything in there you think is an important thing for the audience to understand? Well, you know, putting aside the fact that, you know, it, it just it reminds us of how deeply corrupt uh, the DOJ is and, the, you know, the all the forces, all the things that Congress should be concerned about you know, glaring example of it right here um, where there is this, this second tier justice system. And, and you, we really are, we have, we really have descended to the point where um, if you've got all the inside tracks with, you know, the local, you know, the, the, the local judicial authorities, then you don't have to worry about anything. And, and the laws don't apply to you. Uh, that's where, that's the banana republic these people have brought us to. Um, and, you know, the fact that Congress fails to recognize that and fa- is incapable of acting to fix that, um, it, I guess it's sort of proof that they really can't fix anything. It's just kind of amazing. But also on a – but, but this is so enraging because it, it, it's on such a personal level. Because, you know, like you say, they're deadbeat dads. He's a deadbeat dad. His grandfather 
Joe Biden, I mean, her the child's grandfather, um, is a deadbeat grandfather. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a grandchild and not wanting to know that grandchild, not wanting to pick that grandchild up, and and not wanting to look at that grandchild in the eyes and get them to know you? Can you imagine what kind no, of a horrible, not. despicable, disgusting person that is? You know, mo- most grandparents would like steal their grandchild from somebody if, if, if you know if there if there was a competition they would there's nothing they wouldn't do for their these people are animals they're disgusting wild animals have greater maternal and paternal instincts than these dirtbags and it and on a personal level i just find it so appalling so disgusting and how how he passes himself off as a you know, you know, as a what, what was it that Oxyos said the other day about his little amorphisms or, or aphorisms or whatever the hell the word is? You know, like he's just this he's just this funny old guy. It's like no, he's a dirtbag. He w- w- refuses to recognize his own granddaughter. Yeah, well, especially because his whole thing is he's a family guy, and this is his big obsession. It has been for his whole life, ever since he got into politics, and probably before. He is just a, a family's always first with him. That's how he's always behaved. I genuinely believe he does think Hunter Biden's the smartest guy he knows. And then still, there, there, there is there is one exception. There is one exception. His actual granddaughter, who he is uh, completely north, and it is... Uh, it's such a revelation it, in terms of his character, I think. Yeah, and and I get it that you know nobody disputes that family arrangements can become complicated, but that's not what's going on here. You're he's made, he is demonstrating he is demonstrating his true soul, who he is, uh, by ignoring this and. and ignoring this child and pretending that, that he has no responsibility to this child and denying this child her last name, which is just, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I, you know, personally, I think that's probably for her, for her better. Uh, but, but it's still, it just goes to show how self-absorbed and disgusting these people are. Um, I mean, literally if, if, if I were, you know, if if I knew, you know, an asteroid was about to, or I was get uh, get ready to be taken off by Martians, and there was nobody left on Earth to to raise my children, and I had to find somebody, and the choice was Joe and Jill Biden, and a pack of wolves. I would leave my children with a pack of wolves. Wow. I would leave, there's no, there's like like, you know, elephants definitely. I would definitely leave them with elephants, but I would leave them. Like with coyotes, I, I would find I, the, the coyotes in, in like that live in the in the bottom below my house. I would I would go down there and and ask the coyotes to, to raise my children before I would let these disgusting vile and just look at Hunter Biden. Look at look at the, the look at the or <laughs> you know the um, Joe Biden's uh, uh, his shower partner. You know if you want to see what, what you get with people like that parents like that grandparents um like that. yeah no and, and more on that down the road charlie i'll be uh reporting more on that at breitbart over the over the coming weeks and months yeah but i'm glad you lumped in jill here because recall jill 
did not leave out a stocking at Christmas for Navy Joan and left them all out, all the her six other grandkids at the White House. But uh, not the one they don't want. It's just so sick. Just just sick people. Sick people, unfortunately. Charlie Hurt, uh, I love you, man. You know that. And thanks for all the contributions over the years. And I know we'll uh, meet up again when whenever I land somewhere. Amen, brother. And thank you so much. So it's it's a, uh, it's a it's always a blast every uh, every time we do this, and uh, look forward to the future. I'm American made. That's today's show. Shout outs to Zach Jones who puts it together, producer Bill Barnett from our live show. Robert Marlowe, who helps me pick topics. All of you go to Breitbart.com. And those of you who go to AlexMarlowe.com, pick up the book, send me an email, get on my email list so you can keep updated on what happens next for me. And again, that email, aloha at AlexMarlowe.com. I have read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, or I guess I haven't read them yet. I've received hundreds and hundreds of messages from all of you, and I've just absolutely love the ones I've read. Even some of the mean ones are pretty funny and insightful. So uh, I'm up for it. Let's stay in touch and I will talk to you tomorrow for another podcast.